Hey people, welcome into another episode of Dirt Tracker Conversations. In dirt racing, for every Donnie Schatz and Brad Sweet, there are dozens of guys like Brian Smith. Brian is a regular in 410 competition at Fremont Speedway in Ohio, but is far from a professional racer. He has a full-time job during the week and a family to look after, but has figured out a formula to get himself to the track each week and compete. He joins me on this episode to talk about how he makes it all work, his full-time all-star season back in 1998, how he ran second to Cole Macedo a few weeks ago when he didn't even plan on racing, and his post-race traditions of freezer pops and Hot Wheels races for the kids. Brian had me laughing the whole time, and I left our conversation with a ton of respect for him. Please enjoy the show. I want to like just kind of jump right into the middle of this. Uh, I, I was saying just before I started recording that I was scrolling your Twitter account and you posted a photo not long ago of what appears to be a car at Eldora. And you said that you somehow raced this car. You, 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 I don't know if you or your dad talked Ted Johnson into allowing you to run this car. And I, I want to know the story behind that photo and, and that day. Oh, geez. That's probably when I first went to Eldora. Um, real young. I must have been, I think, uh, 16 or 17. I think on the wing, it said, please excuse my driving. I'm only six years older than 10. So it must've been 16. Um, I don't know why we went down there. It was Eldora. We had a sprint car. We didn't know what we were doing. And uh, I, it, I think it turned out to be a day show maybe, but Ted wasn't going to let us run because I hadn't raced hardly at all. And Rick Ferkel came to my aid and said that I would do fine. I don't know how he knew that. I didn't know Rick at that point, um, but he talked him into letting me do it and you know, I rode around the middle and didn't spin out and didn't cause any cautions or whatever. So we made it through. Was that an outlaw show? Yeah. Yeah. It had to been. Do you, do you um, remember anything else about that day? I mean, do you, I mean, do you remember who won the race or anything? Uh, I remember, I don't remember who won the race. I remember that, uh, Sammy Swindell was in my heat race and I thought that was really cool. Cause I was a Sammy Swindell fan and, uh, we come down for the green flag and, uh, they all left me. And I didn't even understand what was happening. <laughs> That's actually happened a couple of times since I, you know, I've, I've been there the same kind of thing happened, but uh, yeah, I was just, you know, everything was overwhelming back then when you're that age, you know, kids start now at, you know, they're racing at three years old, four years old. And uh, you just didn't do that when I started, but uh, everything was just kind of a blur at that point. What was your like actual racing experience at that point? Uh, I actually, I started to run what was a hobby stock or they called it a bomber at Oakshade Raceway in Wauseon, Ohio, when I was 12 years old. Um, back then, it was Jeff Gordon, Sport Allen, and me, basically, that raced at that age. Um, my dad was a racer. My grandpa was a racer. And uh, I was just, I've always wanted to be a racer. So he put a bomber together for me. And we went over there. And some interesting stories came out of that, too. I, uh, I actually, I don't know, it was a few weeks in. I got together. He kept running into me coming off the corner for whatever reason. We just kept banging into each other. And somehow we got together a little harder. He ended up on the other side of the fence and I ended up spun out of a couple of pictures of it, but I was only 12 and wasn't supposed to be racing anyway. You had to be 16 to even be in the pits. So uh, I would get in the race car. I would race. I'd get out, get out of my suit. I change out of my suit and then I'd just be standing around. Well, I got out of my suit real quick and then kind of walked away and somebody came down mad because he was a guy that went over the fence and I uh, couldn't find the driver. It was a 12 year old kid standing there. So I kind of dodged that one. The funniest part of that is, is that I, there's a Oak shade remembers page that I put the picture of that guy over the wall with my car in it. And a guy responded to it. He said, that was me. So time must've healed enough of a wound there. Cause he didn't come beat me up. So 
I'm curious your you know your career and, and how we know you is is through sprint cars, but I, I've heard you say before that your dad was a pavement racer, and I'm I'm curious how somebody who watches their dad run pavement stuff and and you know you start out in bombers, how you end up in four ten sprint cars. Um, well, I did. I always wanted to be a super late model guy. My my dad drove mostly the the secondary classes, but he did have a few races in a super late model, and I would go scream my head off for Bob Keselowski and for Chuck Hall and Bob Seneca. Them guys were my heroes. Um, but my mom and dad were divorced. My dad lived in Fremont and they have a racetrack that runs dirt cars in Fremont. He, uh, built a go-kart track, um, that they raced every Sunday and, and guys like John Ivy and Clay Kime and Phil Gressman and those guys raced at my dad's go-kart track. So, uh, through that, we met somebody, um, which is another good story. We met somebody who robbed a bunch of money from the local Catholic school and bought a sprint car for me uh we didn't know that until after he was arrested um but so that's just how it happened you know i i don't think we raced the year before and then suddenly we had a a sprint car that we ended up purchasing through this legal deal but uh and then off we went the very first race i ran we uh took an old boat trailer and uh put the race car on it and took an old box van and drove all the way down to florida and went to ocala to race with the all-stars my very first time what was the, the kind of engine rule then? I mean, were they specifically 410 spread cars at that point or was it kind of more ambiguous then? Yeah, they were, they were outlaw sprints, I guess. Uh, ours actually had a 388 in it, um, but they were running 406s, I guess, for the most part back then. So that first time at Ocala, I mean, that was your first time ever in a sprint car? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember much from that night or how it went? Um. I remember Bob Jenkins was standing in the infield with my dad when I went screaming by uh, my very first lap in hot laps. I went in there wide open. I didn't know any better. And uh, I almost killed myself and I almost spun out, but I didn't. And uh, my dad or uh, Bob made some comment to my dad about, boy, he looks pretty good right off the bat. And then it, it never went uphill from there for like 14 years. So, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, Again, everything was just at that point, 16, 17, 18, everything was just kind of a blur. Everything happened so fast. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to keep up. What was the kind of state of Ohio sprint car racing when you kind of first get started? Um, it wasn't real strong. Um, I mean, obviously the Ohio speed week stuff would be 50 cars or 60 cars or whatever, but, uh, Attica, had a halfway decent car count, I guess. Fremont didn't have a real great car count for years through there. They actually closed down, what, in 96 or 97, somewhere in there. Um, it wasn't until after Jim Ford opened Fremont Speedway back up uh, that it kind of grew back up again. What, uh, like, I mean, were your intentions just to just, like, do this for fun? I mean, did you have grand visions of, you know, being full-time with the All-Stars, being full-time with the Outlaws? Do, do you remember what your what your thoughts were at that point? Uh, yeah, I was cocky and arrogant and, and young, and I wanted to be a world outlaw driver and race uh, sprint cars for a living. Uh, that's, that's all I wanted to do. And then you realize how much it costs, how much work it is. Uh, I got married at 20, um, and... We actually did, I did run the whole All-Star Series in 1998. I was 24, married, uh, had a baby right at the end of that year. And uh, it's it's a ton of great stories and a lot of fun. And I'd love to go back and do it again. But my dad mortgaged his house. I had to work full-time every week. My dad worked 50 or 60 hours as a detective. My brother was full-time in college. Uh, 
And uh, we did back then we did 70, I think we did 70 races. Uh, so it was not something that we could sustain, I guess. At the end of that year, uh, my dad and I weren't even talking. We were, you know, we were screaming and yelling at each other just because it was so stressful. Nobody sleeps. You know, I would drive home from Knoxville and have to be to work at six o'clock in the morning. They dropped me off. And then I'd work all day and then we'd work on a race car and then we'd head, we'd head to Grandview or something. You know what I mean? It was just a, a crazy schedule. Um, so at that point, it was just like, try and get a ride, try and keep racing, whatever it took to just keep racing. I did 305s for a year, I think, um, but I couldn't afford that. It just doesn't pay enough to do it. And then little by little, I was getting some rides and, you know, we were doing well enough. Um, won a few races and. Uh, here we are. I got my own stuff and my own glorious motor coach and still racing. And, and I, I kind of am doing it for a living. I mean, it's, you know, the race car pays for itself. I don't take any house money out uh, to go racing. So only through sponsors and, and that stuff do I get to keep racing, but it pays for ice cream money every now and then. What's your day job been through all of this? Uh, back in 1993, I started working at a little plastic factory that makes like car dealer signs and name badges and license plate frames and that kind of stuff. And I've been there for 28 years or so. What's it like? I, I feel like anymore we don't hear about people or, or, you know, at least people like my age, like we don't work one place for that long. It, like what is the feeling of, of working for some, you know, like a factory or, or, you know, whatever it is. You know, I worked, I used to work at a newspaper and a lady there had been selling advertising for the newspaper for like 45 years. What is that like feeling like to work one place for that long? Is it just, is it like nice and stable? You know, do you get bored of it? Like, where, you know, where do you kind of stand on that? Uh, well, I try and be content and I, it's a solid, stable job. They let me do that all-star deal. So that, that led to it a lot. Uh, I did actually try and think of going somewhere at one point to make a little more money, but it, it didn't work out. And for good reasons, obviously. Um, but I kind of like things the same. I, I like to, to know what's going to happen. I, there were, I bet for 15 years, I had a peanut butter sandwich every single day for, for, uh, breakfast. So I just like things that last a long time. You know, the, 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 the crank and the block in my motor I've had since 1997. It's the same. I'm still running it. It's the same. My wife, I've been married to for 27 years. It's the same. She's the best part that I've kept the longest. Um, but, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I'm content. So I'm happy with what I'm doing. Uh, I, I want to ask you more about that all-star season. And, and I'm, I'm curious what led up to you attempting that, uh, you know, kind of where you were in your sprint car career at the time. And, and like at what moment all of you kind of sat around and said, let's go do this. Like, tell me that story. Well, that didn't happen. Um, my dad said, uh, I'm going to buy this car it, in 90, in 97, probably 96. Um, I was at a bowling alley and I was bowling. I was throwing some good balls. The guy, noticed that I was throwing some good balls and he said, Hey, you should join this league or whatever. I started bowling. I made it to the point where I was going to be a professional bowler in 1997. I, I had the, the package and I was ready to sign the papers Had good averages in both or two houses, all that stuff you had to do. And, uh, my dad was friends with Frankie Kerr since Frankie Kerr had moved to Fremont. My dad was a police officer. He would stop over there and they drew up a friendship and they still play cards today a couple of times a month. But, uh, he bought one of Frank's used cars from Stan and bought, worked on getting a motor and finally got a motor at the end of 97. And he said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Um, you're going to have to give it hundred percent. So the next week I sold my bowling balls and, and everything I had and, and we went racing. So it, that at the end of 97, uh, 
Leonard McCarl was working for Frank and uh, we were at the Eagles club or something like that one night. And I, if you've never met Leonard, man, he was awesome, dude. But he told me that if I could beat Sarah Fisher at Eldora at the last race at, uh, at or the last all-star race, I think it was, if I could beat Sarah Fisher, he'd be my crew chief the whole next year. Well, that wasn't going to happen and it didn't happen. But my dad said, you know what, let's just run the all-stars next year. Uh, okay. So that was kind of just, the plan he decided he we had this stuff at the moment and at, at that time my stuff was equal to everybody else's um so i bought a new truck he bought a trailer and uh we went on the road and thirty-eight thousand five hundred miles later and and fights and and joy and all that stuff we finished uh i finished sixth in points in, uh, as a driver and he finished fifth in points as an owner I want to know both sides of this, but, but what are some races that stand out that season as good races? And what are some races that stand out that season as bad races? Um, there was a lot of times when we had to do start and park back then, just because uh, we had one motor. When we started, we had one motor, we had one car and we took off and we ran that motor 40 races. And uh, so there was times where I could have made the feature at Williams Grove out of the B, but we needed to save it because we needed to go somewhere else. Uh, so a smaller track where we would have a better chance. Um, I, I don't know. Some of the races we ran, we ran top 10 several times. I got to race with Keith Kaufman and Frankie Kerr and Kenny Jacobs and Jeff Shepard and all them guys. I mean, any one of those could have been a, a, a great memory. Um, there were some times that, that didn't really go that well, uh, but we try to forget most of those. Um, at the, 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 I, ran, uh, I think I ran top 10 at Eldora one time. Uh, which was pretty crazy. That was neat. Uh, I ran, we ran Rockini, Kansas, as farthest west I'd ever been at that point. Um, and I think I won the B over, over uh, I don't know, neighbors or somebody. And so we're sitting there in the pits getting ready to go out for the B and Kenny Jacobs came over and looked at my tire. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world at that point, because they were coming over to see why my car was good. Um, but the, the last race of the year, I'll tell you that we, we were pulling in Eldora and we were screaming at each other where to park. I wanted to park one place. My dad wanted to park the other place. It was just so stupid. Um, and by the end of that night, uh, a radius rod or something broke. And I went head on in a wall and turned three and junked a race car. And I didn't flip, but it turned around and, and I get out of the car and I do a somersault because I hit the wall that hard and I didn't flip at Eldora. So you got to do a somersault. Well, one of my tours and stops had bounced to the bottom of the racetrack. And my dad made his way down there and saw that I jumped the race car and picked the torsion stop up and threw it at me. <laughs> One of the great memories that we, we had. Um, but it, like I said, it, it all worked out. I got to drive Hampshire's car that night in the, in the commercial truck and trailer dash, which was awesome. And that's, I started to be friends with Greg Wilson at that point. Now we're good friends and you know, just a, a lot of neat stuff. I feel like you hear all about the all-stars kind of being that working man series. And, and obviously I feel like today it's probably not that. Um, but back then, was it that? And, and I mean, how difficult was it on, you know, your young family at that point and you trying to work to be able to go do something like that? Um, it was really hard. I mean, it was really, really hard. My dad, uh, like I said, working 50 or 60 hours a week, he didn't drive. He, he would sit in the passenger seat with his foot up blocking my right side mirror so I could never see out the right side. Um, but he would sleep and my brother was at college and he was trying to do, you know, get good grades and all that kind of stuff. So he's sleeping in the back seat, and I drove probably 37,000 of them miles back and forth. And, you know, we try and, uh, try and stay in a hotel if we absolutely had to, but we try and drive home because we had to work. So 
that was really, really hard, not sleeping and not working. And then my wife being pregnant in the middle of it, uh, one time we were supposed to race at uh, uh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, I think. And the car was already down there. My dad did. Yeah, my dad must have drove that time. So he drove very little, but I think he must have made it to there from somewhere else. And I was driving there from work and my wife's old, old, uh, old Achieva. And she was going to the ultrasound, which this is really lousy. I shouldn't have missed the ultrasound, but I'm probably to the other side of Ohio from Fremont. And they called it, uh, they rained out Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. So I turned around and that thing will go 111 miles an hour. Just so, you know, I drove back on the turnpike as fast as it would go wide open and maybe around Sandusky, I think I'm looking in front of me and I'm cruising and I didn't get, get a ticket. I didn't get stopped or anything, but it was kind of windy and there's a, uh, Troy, uh, like a, a motorhome or a trailer getting pulled by a truck and it starts to sway and I'm looking at it and all of a sudden it goes shooting off the right side of the road off a bridge and it's crashing down, down the, uh, the embankment. So I, well, I got to stop at this. So I pull over real quick and I start running up there and here comes this lady with no shoes on and she jumps out of the car. She comes running or the truck, she comes running at me and all of a sudden this cat goes running by my feet and across the road, across the turnpike into the, the middle. And she's screaming, running after I got to get my cat. So I about had to tackle her to stop her, got her calmed down. And then there weren't a lot of cell phones back then, but somebody had a cell phone. So they called the cops and then I hightailed it and made it uh, to the doctor's office just as my wife was walking out of the ultrasound room. And the doctor was nice enough to let me go back in. And uh, I got to see the first of my three girls there. So that was a pretty interesting story. Where has she been at through all of this? I know now she's kind of your like de facto crew chief and stuff, but has she always been super thrilled that you're doing this? Um, I met her when I started working at Burger King and uh, we were both working at Burger King together and uh, I couldn't work under her. I just couldn't take it. I worked there for three months, but she was the boss. So that didn't work out, but she thought she was going to marry a race car driver and then she was going to be rich and famous. Well, I mean, we got a motor coach, so maybe we made it. Maybe it worked out. But, and I'm talking to you, so I must be famous. <laughs> um, but it was it was tough. It was a struggle because I told her when we first started that racing was number one. She was number two, and I was going for it. And that lasted about, we got married in 94, and in 2000, somebody else came into the picture and, and led her away. And uh, it didn't work out real good right then. But uh, my dad, who for most of my childhood since they were, my mom and dad were divorced he wasn't really there as a dad well in 2000 he led me to the lord i got saved became a christian came back home told my wife how it was going to be it, i was keeping the house i was keeping the baby all that stuff it was her choice to stay short story long she decided to stay we started going to grace community church which has now been my sponsor one of my big sponsors for 11 years and uh, we both got saved and now over the last 10 years, she's been getting more and more involved. And now since I think 2017, um, she's been the one that's, you know, kept the air pressure in the tires, made sure I'm not overthinking stuff, you know, taking care of the food, cleaning out the camper and the trailer. And, you know, basically it's, it's her and I, she's a crew chief and we're having a good time. Are you, time. are you the coolest guy at the church because you drive sprint cars with the church on the side of it? So about that, when it first started, uh, like I said, 10 or 11 years ago, um, we're a fairly large church. It's like, I don't know, 15 to 2,000, 1,500, 2,000 people. Um, 
there was a lot of people that didn't know what a race car was other than it was a bunch of hillbillies and they were gambling and all this bad stuff, you know, all the bad stuff they talked about us roundy rounders. And, uh, so it took a little bit of time to, to get that, you know, worked out to where they understood what we were doing. You know, we made some appearances at the church at, at different places. And, and, and then the pastor started talking about us every now and then, although he did call me crazy in front of 2000 people at one point after he'd come to the races the first time. Um, he's probably not sit- far off though. Uh, no, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with them. It's, <laughs> it's pretty crazy what we do. Um, but so it took, it took some time. Uh, the older crowd, it took them a little bit longer to, to see what we were doing and, and see that it was actually a ministry of the church. And, uh, you know, they support it through their advertising budget. Um, so that's how it comes from. We're not taking money away from orphans and, and, you know, that kind of thing, like some of the people were thinking, um, but it's a great outreach. It's super outreach. And since we've started this Hot Wheels deal, it's been a, a really great outreach to, to get kids and parents down there involved and point to the car, which looks like a big sign for the church and start getting, uh, building more relationships with people at the racetrack and, and fans coming down and, and that kind of thing. And the whole ultimate goal for me is obviously to point people to Jesus. So that's why we do all this stuff. And I'm convinced it's the only reason I'm still able to do this stuff because I can't afford to race. It's, it's all in the generosity of people that uh, approve of and support of what we're doing. In the years since you ran the All-Stars full-time, you know, what has kind of been your approach each year? I mean, are you, I know you run Fremont pretty regular and I've run it for points. Like after you get back from kind of running that All-Star season, you kind of just then focus on Ohio and what you can kind of drive to or, or you know, what has kind of been your approach to how you decide your schedule each year? Um. Like I said, the race car has to pay for itself. So I try and go where I can make the most money uh, in order to be able to do that. And Fremont is one mile from my house. It pays $300 to start without being arrogant. I'm good enough to make the show every week and $300 gets me going back. So the better we do, um, obviously the more we can upgrade, the better that we can do. And then I can branch out a little bit. Um, I drove for several different car owners from, from 2001 through 2000 and I think 13 or 14, I bought um, everything that I had, I got from Cap Henry's dad. I drove for him for five years, um, but I bought him out uh, the trailer and the race car and everything. I still had my motor. I still running that. Uh, and then I bought a, a truck and then this camper to, to pull with, but I always, I really want to travel. You know, if I could get a ride, where I could do that kind of stuff. I would absolutely love to do that where my wife wouldn't have to, you know, mount tires and stuff. That'd be easier on her too. But, um, we try and branch out as much as we can. I, I, you know, we've been to West Virginia motor. We've been to Lernerville and Mercer and up in Michigan. We did that whole sod deal in, in 2016, which I didn't have the motor home. Then all I had was a tent. So after every night we slept in a tent and then drove home. Um, but, I, I want to get to some different places all the time. And as long as we can make a little money here, I can go and do that this year. Um, I know as simple as it sounds, but I got some, some newer tires to me on the motorhome, and we're going to try and make a trip out to Port Royal later and, and see our friends out there. And uh, I don't know if we'll make the show, but we're going to go out there and try. It's been a while since we've been out there, uh, do stuff like that. I was going to go to Hartford this weekend, but it's going to be like 36 degrees at night. And this is not the warmest thing at 36 degrees. So we're going to pass on that. But, uh, you know, I try and get out as much as I can. I don't want to get stagnant. Obviously, you just keep racing the same place and, you know, you'll get good there or get as good as you are there. So 
Uh, I'm curious why for somebody like yourself, that's kind of, you know, just racing as you can and, and doing what you can afford, why 410 sprint cars? And and to me, it would seem like engines are expensive and, you know, people have super, you know, incredible race cars with, you know, all the shock packages and, you know, it's like, it's an expensive deal to do. And, and for someone like you, is it cost effective for you to run 410s or would it make sense for you to scale back and run a 360 or run a 305? Or is it just because there's not enough money available to win at those lower classes? Uh, is there anything better than a 410 sprint car? I mean, there's, I mean, there's not, but I'm just saying like not. in, in terms the, of what's affordable and what's doable. None of it's affordable. It's, it's way too expensive to compete. I do not understand how these guys that I'm racing against afford everything that they do, but I can tell you that my entire truck and trailer operation cost me $8,000. Um, the, uh, the sponsorship money that I gather up is around 10,000 a year. And that's to paint the car. That's to letter it. That's to freshen the motor and, and, and maybe upgrade here and there. And then we race for $300 to start everywhere. And it works out to enough that I can keep doing it. If I were racing a 305 or a 360, granted, there are some 360 deals that are paying a little bit better money now, but I, I could not afford it. I couldn't afford to pay for my wife and myself to get in buy fuel and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm like right here. I mean, the water level is right there, but at the same time, I don't want to do anything else. This is the show. You know what I mean? This is it. I, obviously I'd love to run an Indy car, but really this is it. As far as, as racing goes, there's nothing better than a 410 sprint car. So, uh, if I couldn't do this, then uh, I would probably just try and find something else to drive until I couldn't do that anymore and be done. But right now we're doing it. God's got a plan for me. And, and obviously it's in 410 sprint cars. So we're just going to do the best we can be the best steward of the money that I get and just keep going. Where are all-star shows, outlaw shows kind of in this for you? Is, is that something you I, I know you've done a few, a few of those here and there, you know, in the last several years, but is that something like when, the, when the outlaws come to Attica or when the all-stars come through for a house speed week, like, are those races you're going to think about running? Um, typically not anymore. Uh, the all-stars had a format change, not that awful long ago where uh, before they, they took, the top 24 cars and they inverted them. So like 22, three, four, 21, two, three, and four would start on the pole of the heat race. Well, that's where I qualify with my stuff. That's as fast as I go. So I always started on the front row of a heat race. So I always made the all-star races. So we always made that money and moved on. So I would do those. And, it, and now since they've changed it, you're going up against your heat. And I know everybody says this um, and they say it because it's true. The stacked heat is always the one that I'm in because there's so many good cars now. You know what I mean? So I, my car will run a 12, nine to 13, one at Fremont. That's just as fast as it goes. I can't make it go any faster. And that's not good enough to start in the first two rows of an all-star race anymore. So it's really, really difficult. That being said, last year at speed week, the way the track was, we, we ran the first night, we were camping for the second night, so we weren't going to do it. So use the car as a little bit of a coupon, make the hundred dollar, you know, be main money. And then we'll watch the races. Well, I was fortunate enough to make it into that show. And then we ran ninth. So it worked out really good. We had extra marshmallows for the campfire the next night. Um, but the outlaw shows I've never made in, uh, I've been racing what, since 91 or whatever. I've never made an outlaw show. I haven't run a whole lot of them. Um, a couple of years ago, I went up to I-96 and I missed it by one spot. Um, but it's just, there's, 
there's uh, different things you got to have for the car to be legal with the outlaws, you know, new seat belts and tethers and that kind of thing. And some of that stuff you can get away with other places, you know, $500 tether investment for me was, was huge. I mean, that, that's a, a crazy blow to the bank. You know, at the beginning of the year, if I spend $2,000 at the speed shop, getting parts that I absolutely need, it, it, it's stressful. I mean, even with the sponsor money coming in, it's stressful to do that. So, um, I'm not going to be able to qualify with the outlaws. I know that I'm not, you know, I don't have delusions of grandeur. Um, but at Fremont, maybe every once in a while we'll run a speed week show. I, I might do it this year just because we had some success last year and some success at the beginning of this year. So, uh, we might be all right. Uh, yeah, I definitely have to ask you about Attica, uh, leading some laps, uh, finishing second there, um, running second to Cole Macedo, uh, no less, but, uh, tell me about that race. Was that something where you were really kind of eyeing the win about halfway through that feature? No, no. If, <laughs> if, if, if there's one thing you should know about me, I'm completely honest. I am brutally honest. So, but, but you ran Gary Taylor down. Uh, I, I did. Okay. So. I know how good I am as a race car driver. I, I don't think I'm Steve Kinzer, but I, I don't think I'm a guy who can't make it out of the B main ever. You know, I mean, I know I'm comfortable where I'm at as a race car driver and in the right situation, I can run up front. I know that even with my stuff, that was not one of those situations I was thinking about. Um, so the beginning of the year, I don't run Attica much for different reasons. I don't run over there much anymore. Um, so but we do go over there at the beginning of the year just to shake stuff down, make sure that I got all this stuff tight. I do everything myself. I would wash the car by myself today. My wife sometimes sweeps out the trailer, but basically everything is me. So I want to go over there and make sure that I got everything tight. Nothing's going to fall off. We got all our stuff in order, the generator, the, the wrenches, all that stuff. So that when we go to race, we're prepared. So we go to Attica, we go to shake it down. It's freezing cold. My wife doesn't like it in the freezing cold. That's why we're not going hard for this weekend. Um, and we're going there for fun. And I want her to be happy too. Obviously that's a good, that's good for me. So, uh, we go over there, shake stuff down and it was shake it down and out by sundown. That was our mantra. We were going to do that. We're going to leave after the B main. I didn't even know if they were going to pay me B main money. Cause I honestly did not go there to race. So, uh, I just put on a tire that I don't know how long I've been on that wheel on the right rear. The left rear is about the same. Um, I didn't mess with setup. I just blocked it. I put the wheels on it and then we went out uh, and hot laps is qualifying out there. I knew I was going to be last. I just wanted to just like get the car warm and, you know, just kind of feel it out. And uh, so I did that and I qualified like a second and a half off the pace. No big deal. Uh, so I'm going to start last in a heat race. I'm going to make two or three laps, try and get a couple hard laps in and then pull in. So green flag comes out right around. Okay. I'm going to give it a hard lap. I pass somebody the caution comes out. Dang. Now somebody's behind me. So this is tough. Cause I got, I want to get out of his way. You know what? So we get going again. I pass somebody else and I'm like, Oh boy, I'm going to run this thing in really hard. And then that's it. I pass somebody else. Crap. Somebody spins out in front of me or something. And so now I'm in a transfer spot. Well, so now I, I fogged up my shield. I can't see anything except for out of the right side because I didn't do anything but eat cookies all winter. So I can only see out of this. So I turn my head to the side and I'm looking at the infield tires when the green flag comes out and I'm thinking $300 pays more than $100. So I'm like, don't hit the tires. Don't hit the tires. Don't hit the tires. And I make it up to third. Holy crap. We just made the feature. So I pull in and they say top three redraw. I'm like, no, 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 no. 
I don't do anything in the car. I don't touch it. I don't turn a bolt. We put fuel in it enough for the feature because if there's a big crash or something, then I can move up a little bit. I can make an extra hundred bucks, right? You're always thinking about that. I, I know how much the spots pay. So my wife puts a fuel in and we're like, you know, we're still going to make a few laps in the feature and, and get out. And I go up and redraw and it's a two. Now we got a race, right? So I can't just go out there and pull in, you know, maybe if I just hang on, we can finish in the top 10. Now, granted, I can't hold my head up after the heat race. It's stuck to the right side of the headrest. So green flag comes out and I'm like, all right, you know, I, I put some sauce on my shield then. So it wasn't going to fog up. So it's like three laps in the race. You know, my head starts, I get the rubber neck and I'm trying to hold it up and I get the rubber neck. So now it's vibrating over here on the side of the car, run a laps, run a laps. And then I start to catch Gary and I'm like, go Gary, go Gary. Nope. I catch him and I pass him. And I'm like, holy crap. I can't believe we're, we're leading this thing. This is nuts. Just stay in the seat. Just stay in the seat. This is going to be easier to finish in the top 10 if you can stay in the seat, right? So I'm riding along, and uh, I don't know what, I don't know when it was, halfway or something. I start seeing flash bulbs. Well, I've been racing a long time. I've run up front enough. I know that the flash bulbs come at certain angles, depending on where I run the bottom a lot or the middle, where that other car is. So I start seeing the flash bulb, you know, it's here, and then it's here, and then it's here. So I know somebody is working his way up here. Finally, like, oh, that's close move down there goes Cole ripping by the top like okay no problem I'm waiting for somebody else to come nobody else comes and then right at the last second uh uh Spithaler comes up next to me and, and almost gets me but we run second I'm like this is totally crazy I, I'm telling you with complete honesty that I went there to shake the car down and we ended up with second place finish nothing I did all I did was ride around the middle you know, I didn't even use the brakes. I just rode around the middle, just kind of tried to keep a constant speed and not, you know, falls completely fall out of the seat. And we had a great run. And then nobody believed me. But that that was the truth. So I, I, feel, like going, I feel like going forward, that needs to be your strategy wherever you go. Well, I, no, I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really work. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it did, though. It, it did. Yeah. I know every blind squirrel finds a nut. But yeah. So but other than that, I mean, we've we run really good this year. I, I got. I run 12th, 10th, 6th, and 5th. So it's it's been really good this year so far. Uh, I, I want to ask you too, uh, like uh, in all of this, the, the last thing I, I would expect someone like you to do would be to take the wings off and then go run non-wing stuff. So I, I guess that's the next question is why run non-wing stuff through all of this as well? Uh, because it takes the motor out of it and puts the driver in it. I love running without the wing. When, when uh, my wife Kimberly and I first got together, we use that same old boat trailer. We put the non-wing car over and we drove over to Lincoln Park every week to race with Bob Kinzer and Brad Marvel and Kevin Thomas, the other Kevin Thomas. And uh, I, I just, I love it. I've loved it. I've, I've raced a couple times a year, just about my whole career without the wing. Uh, whenever they come to Fremont or we've run Attica, I want to race at Hartford three, four, four, five years ago. I think we won. That was my only non-wing win, but I won it up there and I beat Landon Simon. So at a big track it was crazy but we've run attica and and merit and that kind of stuff crystal um it just it takes a lot more driver i i'm a patient guy i'm a bottom feeder i can run the top when i have to and i typically do it more in the non-wing car than i do the the wing car actually and i think it's because i just use the same entry points and it slides me all the way up to the top of the racetrack um but i just get a kick out of it you know there's a, a lot of wing guys don't do it for, for obvious reasons, um, you know, you're, 
you're riding along in a non-wing car and you're doing fine and you're just screaming along and then all of a sudden you're upside down you don't know what happened you know that's that's the way it is and that's that's part of it that I like I guess you know what I mean I like to be able to control that that kind of possible demolition that could happen you know uh, you mentioned like some engine parts uh, that you've had for a long time. And, and I, I heard you somewhere else say that you, you ran the same wing for seven years. Uh, do, do you have other examples of parts like that, that you've run for a really long time? Well, I, I guess it's a, it's a, we got the motor in 1997 and I still have the same valve covers and crossover tube, even the two rubber tube, the two rubber hoses that go up. Those are the same uh, on that motor. I've run, I've run stuff way, way, way too long um, in some people's minds, but you know, if you take care of stuff and, and I'll turn my stuff 9,500 every night, you know, I'm, I'm 79 to 82, 83. So I'm just not real hard on stuff. I don't crash stuff a lot because it, it's too expensive. You know what I mean? I can't afford it. When I replace stuff, it's cause it wore out. It just flat wore out. Um, you know, I've run drive lines for several years, even, even uh, uh, Chris Andrews, several years ago was giving me guff about I ran the uh the yoke the drive shaft yoke for three years the same drive shaft yoke and you know guys change them after you know 10 12 races or whatever they don't want it blowing up and breaking their feet but um I just I just put uh I got a seat in 2005 and I actually just had that into Chris Wilson or Chad Wilson's car at Waynesfield at the beginning of this year I used the same seat I put that in there I, I have since bought a new seat for the car I'm in but uh I don't know. I just, I make stuff last a long time because I can keep racing on that stuff. I, the, the tire I ran the last two weeks, ran fifth and sixth with at Fremont. I bought for 20 bucks off of the lenders. Colmacito ran it and didn't kill it. And uh, so I ran that for two more races and it made me $1,100. So I just, you know, I get by with what I have. I'm content and we keep going. Uh, I, I want to ask you for sure too about the the motorhome you're sitting in right now. I, I saw some photos on your Twitter account about some renovations to that. But uh, tell me the story of of the motorhome and and how much nicer it is to have somewhere to hang out when you go to the racetrack. You know, the tent was awesome. I mean, it really was. When when after we won the sod championship back in '16, I, I woke up and I'm looking at the ceiling of a tent and the condensation is dripping on my face. I mean, that's a great story. So, but this deal here, I was actually frisbee golfing with my wife. And I had told my mom by mistake that maybe six months before that at some point, if we can pay off some bills, we'd like to get a motorhome. So every week, my mom would send me pictures of motorhomes that were for sale for six months. So like I said, we're, we're disc golfing and my mom sends me another one and I look at it and this class C style 90 is the style that I like. I just, I think it's a really cool one, similar to what Hampshire towed with for all them years. Um, so I look at it and I looked at some pictures and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's really nice mom. And I showed it to my wife and, and, uh, I said, how much? And she says, $4,200. I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. I'm going to have to at least go look at it. Now I don't have $4,200, but I I'm going to have to go look at it. So I set up a time. Kim didn't even go. She, she knew we couldn't afford it or whatever. And, uh, so I go up and I look at it and it's in, uh, the East side of Toledo on this real skinny street. It's in the alley. It's covered up with tarps. I mean, this is not going to be good. He pulls the tarp back. We walk in and it's beautiful in here. I mean, it's unreal. The guy took really, really good care of it. Uh, his house was, it was a halfway decent house in this, this little neighborhood, but inside was gorgeous. His wife was meticulous with the leather couches and the hardwood floors and all that stuff. So I took good care of this motorhome. 
So I'm like, man, I, I'm going to have to have Kim come look at it. So we went back up there and uh, everything, like I said, worked and was really nice. And the guy said, I'll tell you what, I'll take it to a campsite. I'll rent a campsite. I'll make everything work. I'll show you. And then, you know, if you guys are interested, and then, then you'll take it. So I gathered up the money. My, my grandma had left us some money when she passed a couple of years before. I borrowed some money from my brother. I borrowed some other money. And uh, so I got $4,200 what the guy asked for. We meet him at this campground. I got the money in hand. Uh, we go around and I say, so what's the least you'll take for it? You know, I, I mean, I have to at this point, you know, he says, oh, man, I got to take 4,200. I told my wife I was going to get 4,200. And I said, well, will, will you take 4,100? He goes, oh, man, my wife's going to be mad at me. Sure, I'll take 4,100. So I kept the hundred. I handed him that and I said, did you bring the title with you? And he goes, you want it now? I'm like, yeah, I drove up here to buy this thing now. He goes, oh, I got to go home and get the, the title and all this kind of stuff. So I said, well, I tell you what, you you said that uh, your wife would be mad at you if you didn't get 4,200. So here's the other hundred. I'll give that to you. But don't tell her you got it. So I go to his house with him and he walks in the house. and He says, I got 4,200 for it. I'm like, what are you doing? So I we, we paid for it. I drove it home and uh, I actually had to change a U-joint on it right away. But since then, you know, we've done some camping trips. I, I uh, a couple of years ago, I'm a Green Bay Packers shareholder. The shareholders meeting fell on my birthday in July. We had some time off. So my brother packed up his family and his trailer. We packed up my three girls and, and wife in this. And we drove to, to Green Bay through Chicago and then up around Escanaba through the, the UP and then all the way back in like 1,400 miles or something. We had this fantastic vacation, epic vacation before my, my oldest daughter, who's going to be 23. Holy neck. Uh, she's uh, before she moved out. So it was a super great memory. And now it's just, you know, there's air, condi air conditioning in here. So during the races, I can come in and cool down and change in here, not have to change behind a wing in the trailer and, and that kind of stuff. And then Kim's using the, the stove and, and most nights she hasn't started yet, but most nights she, she makes a big spread of food and, you know, we have all kinds of stuff at the races afterwards for when people come down and all that. So yeah, it's been great. Um, you're kind of famous at Fremont for, for your post-race, um, kind of, uh, situation or activities. Um, and me and you have been going back and forth on Twitter for years about freeze pops and there's a whole, there's a photo and all freezer pops for life, man. Yeah. And, but <laughs> tell me about freezer pops. Tell me about hot wheels cars. Tell me about all of these things that have kind of started to be part of the, the Brian Smith program. Um, when I was a kid, race car drivers were heroes. Um, and, and they still are the kids now. You just, you're not a kid. You just don't realize that, but they, they look up to you. They want to be you, you know, I mean, there's exciting stuff happening. They want to be race car drivers. And that's how I was as a kid. Um, Chuck Hall was one of my, my heroes. And I never had the guts to go up to him and get an autograph or say hi to him or anything. And fortunately at an old timers meet like four or five years ago, I got a selfie with him. And then Danny bird, who was another, you know, Toledo Speedway flat rock uh, legend. I finally went up and got those pictures with him. Um, but so I, I remember that feeling, you know what I mean? Um, those guys were my heroes. My dad was my hero. I always want to be a race car driver. So if someone would make an effort towards me as a kid, you know, I would have made my day. I, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Um, so I've always kind of let people sit in the race car and stuff and, and get pictures or whatever. I've always tried to be friendly. My dad taught me a when we first went down to Florida, some, somebody came up to me and we were terrible. I mean, I was awful slow. Uh, Johnny Johnson, if you know Johnny Johnson from central Indiana, Johnny Johnson was faster than I was. And uh, 
some guy came up to me and said, man, you looked really good. You did a good job. And I'm like, oh, man, that was terrible. You know what I mean? I didn't make it out of the C main or whatever. And my dad scolded me and said, when someone comes up to you, you tell them thank you. You know, they went out of their way to compliment you or say something to you. And that made them feel good to say something to you. So you tell them thank you. And then, you know, that makes them feel good. So that is just kind of the kind of the plan that I've taken into dealing with fans and stuff after the races. And, and then my wife is, she's been in, uh, involved with upward programs with kids and stuff. And she's really good with the kids taught Sunday school and stuff for years. And so we knew that we just had to make something happen to make the race car accessible to those kids so that they could get in and get their pictures taken and sometimes put their parents in them, you know, cause that's, that's a lot of fun too sometimes. Um, so we just started doing little, little stuff, you know, everybody gives out like the picture cards and stuff, um, you know, autographs and that kind of thing, but we just wanted to do more. We started passing out candy. We had the biggest little fans, uh, come down. My brother is a semi-professional photographer. So he'd always take a picture of them. We'd post it on the board in the trailer. They could come down and have it the next week or whenever they came back and got it. And then we put it up on our Facebook page, the, the Brian Smith fan club page on Facebook. Um, we always put updates and stuff on there, but, um, I think when the, this latest deal here, when the pandemic started, there was no racing, there was nothing we could do. You're watching YouTube videos all the time. And, uh, I came across this YouTube channel that raced hot wheels. They had this real elaborate downhill track and it's 3d bot maker. If you've heard of it, um, it's fantastic. Well, he's got a King of the mountain series. So I, if you scale it down, I spent way, way too much money on this car. I bought a car for a certain amount of money and then I had to polish the wheels. So I had to get stuff to polish the wheels and buy weight and all this stuff. And I spent $35 on hot wheels to send it to California, which ended up being $40 to send it to California to make it one series. And I didn't transfer on, but that, you know, I was still work. I worked through the whole thing. My job stayed open. We were fortunate. Um, but I built a little track kind of emulating his that would fit in a trailer. And I thought if the kids could come down, I could give them a hot wheel they race me. If they beat me, they can have a hot wheel. And so it's kind of evolved. Now I've got a, a drag strip track. The kids don't seem to make, you know, they don't care. Um, it's just a straight drag, but they'll come up. I'll give them a car. I'll let them pick up. I got, you know, a case or something. That's a pile of cars there. And, uh, they pick one, I'll pick one. We'll race. They beat me. They get both. I give them a little wristband. I got a little Brian Smith fan club wristband. And, and, uh, it's, it's fantastic. I've had, you know, uh, Rusty McClure and Dean Jacobs and, some of them guys have come up, Braden McMahon, the Twitter famous Braden McMahon came up and raced. And uh, it's just been, I mean, it's amazing to see the kids' eyes light up that they not only get an autograph because they, they really like that. The ones that want one, they really like that. But to come into the trailer is just like a whole new world for them. And then to be able to race and they're so excited and their parents are like, I can't believe you're letting our kid do this and all that thing. And it's just been, I mean, it's, it's amazing for me to be able to give those kids the feeling that I know I would have had as a kid. And then hopefully they can go on and, and be fans and some of them be race car drivers someday. And that, that I kind of had a small part in that. I like it. Um, your Twitter account, I, I keep going back to your Twitter account because there's like so much good stuff on there. But uh, as somebody who's been wearing fire suits for 15 years because of what I do uh, in, in NASCAR, um, my, my biggest question is, are you crazy wearing a white fire suit? Like, come on, man, a white fire suit? You ever watch any indie stuff from the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s? 
but like, I mean, Mario, at least Mario, car, AJ. You, you have a chance to at least maybe keep it a little white, but like you're a dirt racer, man. Like I can't keep a fire suit clean. Like we wear dark colors for what I do. I can't keep a fire suit clean. You're telling me you're going to keep a white fire suit clean in a sprint car. Never said I was going to never said I planned on it. All I know is that my heroes wore those types of fire suits. And when I first started, I had one of my dads that had a blue stripe down the side of it. When I first started in sprint cars, I wore a Fred Linder suit. That was a white suit and had a blue stripe down the side of it. And as you get older, you wish you were younger and you remember those feelings from when you were younger and they get amplified. You know, I'm way better back then now than I was actually back then. Right. Because the stories get better and, you know, you're better than you were. So all that's kind of amplified. And I've been telling my wife for years that I wanted a white suit with a blue stripe. She's like, I watched that suit. That's not happening. You're not getting a white suit. You're not getting a white suit. But um, it was time for a new suit. I wear suits way too long. I wear the good Under Armour or the, uh, you know, the Carbon X stuff. Um, but I've worn a suit for too long. And so I said something on Twitter about, you know, if anybody wanted to help out with the, uh, the Hot Wheels cars, you know, that'd be great. People... I've had a lot of people from, I don't know, all over the place, Kentucky and, and Tulsa and, you know, all over the place that have donated money for cars. Well, in that Ray Brooks contacted me from Gill Construction, who's the Comacito's car owner and said that he would help me out. Well, it was enough to get a suit and then some. So I asked him if it was all right, if I got this suit and I put some old school patches on it, that's got his companies on it. And then on the back, it's got, just like Goodyear used to be on the back of those suits. I got the OhioGrace.com logo on the back of it. And I'm telling you, man, I put that thing on at the races on Saturday. And I went down and got a picture with Ray and Holly. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like I can take on the world. You know what I mean? All them childhood dreams came on. And uh, I, I don't know. I just, I have so much excitement to be a race car driver now. You know, I, I drive race cars. I'm a race car driver. I kind of like being a race car driver too. You know what I mean? I'm still a big fan. I watch, I mean, I stay up way too late at night watching dirt vision and flow racing and all that stuff, watching guys out in California. Cause I'm a huge race fan. I mean, I even like some mechanics, you know what I mean? I just, I love it. It's, it's, it's not a focus of my life because Jesus is the focus obviously, but it's the thing that I do. That's, that's what I do here. So wearing that white suit with that blue stripe, man, I I'm AJ Foyt. I love it. Um, your race car. I, I love the, the hand lettered numbers. Uh, I like the picture of you welding on it in the driveway. Um, yeah. what do what do your neighbors think of uh, every time you roll this thing out? I mean, do you push it off into the neighborhood? I mean, like what, what do you do? What do your neighbors think as, as you're working on this thing? Uh, I don't do any of the pushing off stuff. I don't make much noise. I bought a quieter air compressor. I try not to make a stink. I, I live in a, a fairly quiet, neighborhood i guess other than my my street seems to be a drag strip for harley davidson's going down to the bar down the street but um typically my garage is 12 by 18 moved in with cabinets to about 10 by 14 so if i push the race car in there i have to put it on rolling stands and move it to one side to work on one and then roll it the other way to work on the other side so most of the time during the summer i just head the, the camper in i roll it, the car out the back and i work on it in the driveway and Sometimes people stop. Sometimes people don't. I got pretty quiet neighbors on both sides that they don't, you know, it's not really a big deal. Um, so it, I mean, I'm kind of under the radar where I'm at, you know, I'd like people to stop buying stuff and, and talk, but at the same time, I, I don't work on it a whole lot 
you know, when I do it, I focus, I get stuff done and, and get it back in a trailer because I, I still have two kids at home and one of them's in hockey and, and they like to ride bikes and do all this stuff. So I kind of get it out, get it today. I just rolled it out, washed it, put it back in the trailer. And then I'm hoping tomorrow that I can do some maintenance stuff on it. And then maybe we'll get to race at Fremont Saturday. But yeah, it's just, it's kind of under the radar here. I love that you're like a race fan too, because I I'm, I am the same way. I, I spend way too much time watching dirt racing. Um, I, I don't get to go because of my my day job, but um, I, I feel you there. I, as somebody who watches as much racing as you do, what what have you been excited about this year? As you as you kind of look around the country at all the stuff you've gotten to see. Uh, I really like like the Taco Bravo series, and then the U the USAC CRA series out there. Um, I I don't know. It's a it's a different style out there that I get a kick out of that uh, the tracks are different and that kind of thing. But I love watching the all-stars wherever they're at. Uh, I love being able to not go on Twitter for a little while and then watch the races. Even the next day, sometimes I, I gotta be honest, I make it through all the heat races typically for the California races. And then sometimes I just got to wake up Sunday morning before church and watch feature. I just can't do it. Um, but I, th I think it shows how strong it is right now. I mean, uh, there's a lot of race cars out there. I, I think we had, well, we had 84 tens in Ohio uh, last week between the outlaws and Fremont. And then I think a, uh, West Virginia motor was running. I think we had 80 some sprint cars. So they get, you know, they get enough cars for races everywhere else. I think it's just really neat that, that there's that many sprint cars out there. Well, I will let you go. Uh, we are coming up on almost an hour at this point, but uh, I certainly appreciate the time today. When and where are we going to see you throughout the season? Are you going to be able to travel at all? Is it just Fremont? Where, where are we going to be able to find you? Um, we'll probably be at Fremont more often than not. Uh, I'm going to do Speed Week as a fan. My wife wanted to do Speed Week, the whole thing. So we're going to camp that. We'll probably, probably race at Fremont. Um, they're working on a Southern Ohio race. I really want to hit with the, the Ohio Valley deal. We might do a two-day weekend down there. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping to make it to Port Royal on July 10th because some of the fast cars are going that way. Some of the fast cars are going that way and it give me a better chance to, to make the race there, but you know, we'll just see how it goes. We got to keep doing well and, uh, keep having enough money to, to put gas in the camper to go to those places. You know, that's, that's one of the main costs for me is just being able to afford to, to go to those places, but yeah, we'll be around, um, you know, I'm, I'm always looking to try to get in something else too. So you just never know. Uh, give me all the plugs. Where can we find you? Who are the sponsors? Is there Brian Smith merch? Like we, we, give me all that stuff. Uh, there isn't Brian Smith merch at the moment. That's a, that's a big investment to get t-shirts or hats or that kind of stuff. But maybe next year we'll do that. Um, you can check me out at the Brian Smith on Twitter, obviously the Brian Smith fan club page uh, on Facebook. And that pretty much takes care of most of that stuff. Um, we try and run everything through there. So nice. look me up. Well, Brian, I uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for chatting, man. Freezer pops for life. If you're headed out to Fremont this summer or happen to find yourself at a race where Brian is racing, make sure to stop by after the race and say hi. You definitely won't regret it. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.